Let's go to Acts chapter 21, if you would please. Acts chapter number 21 tonight. If we did get to sing in every song about Jesus, we'd be here a while, wouldn't we? That's good. Very good. I loved it. The medley there, Brother Warren. <clears throat> Acts chapter 21, we'll continue in our series here through the books, book of Acts. A church for his name, and I believe that where we are will be a help and a, will fit very well uh, in several ways. And so we're at Acts chapter number 21, and this is sermon 42, the will of the Lord be done. The will of the Lord be done. Let's look at the first 16 verses here of Acts 21. It says, And it came to pass, after they were gotten from them and had launched, we came with a straight course unto Coas, and the day following unto Rhodes, and from thence to Patera. And finding a ship sailing over uh, unto Phenus, we went abroad and set forth. Now when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unlaid her burden. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. And when he had accomplished, when, I'm sorry, when we had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way, and they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were, put, till we were out of the city. And we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. And when we had taken our leave one of another, we took ship, and they returned home again. And when we had finished our course from Tyre, we came into, into uh, Ptolemus and saluted the brethren and abode with them one day. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came into Caesarea and entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven and abode with him. The same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from, from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle, or the belt uh, that he wore there, and bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, Luke, of course, writing, when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Don't you admire that? Yep. Ready to die, not just to be bound, but to die for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when, we, when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, The will of the Lord be done. And after those days, we took up our carriages and went to Jerusalem. There went with us also certain of the, the disciples from Caesarea and brought with them one Nason of Cyprus, an old disciple with whom we should lodge. And so we'll stop our reading there tonight. And of course, Paul is now in Jerusalem by that time of the reading there. 
And things really began to change rapidly upon his arrival there. I want to focus on this night. The will of the Lord be done. The will of the Lord be done. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated tonight. We'll get into the message here this evening. Missionary to the Alka Indians, Jim Elliott said this, Live to the hilt every situation that you believe to be the will of God. Live to the hilt, live to the max every situation that you believe to be the will of God. Have you uh, maybe had occasion where it's been a challenge for you to determine God's will for your life? I'm sure every one of us uh, have prayerfully considered that. If you haven't, I'd advise it. Certainly uh, seeking God's will. And there are times in which it can be challenging to uh, come to a firm decision about what God's will is. I don't believe tonight that God has any trouble communicating. He, he created communication. He spoke the world into existence. So God does not have a problems with, with communication. Oftentimes, however, we have a hard time discerning His will. We have an even harder time obeying His will. But there are, there are occasions where you come to a place where in your heart, soul, having sought counsel, having prayed, having sought the Word, having been attentive in uh, His service and in serving Him. And I believe tonight that He is still the Lord of the harvest and He can direct His laborers into the harvest wherever He would have them to go. I believe God is still calling laborers into the harvest. And there's obvious need, as we heard from Brother Unruh tonight, Greatest need there in Sri Lanka being laborers, and that could be said of many countries, even including, of course, our own. And so I know that God is still leading. The question really becomes, are we sensitive to his leadership and are we following it? And then once you have determined God's will or once you've come to some firm conclusions, here's the question tonight. Are you resolved to do what God is calling you to do? Whatever that might be, large or small, I believe that God leads us in steps, stages. He, in other words, He doesn't give it to you all at one time, does He? He just shows you maybe even just as simple as this, the next step. I've said it before, but dry, like following God's leadership is like driving at night. Your headlights only show about 100 yards, but if you drive that far, then they'll show another 100 yards or however far headlights go. You, and you just keep doing that and you'll get to where you're supposed to be. And I believe that's how it is in following God's will for your life. It may be that right now all you know is just what you're supposed to do this week. Well, really, if that's as far as you can see, then just go that far. And then God will show you the next step and then the next. Uh, you know, we have high school graduates getting ready to finish up school, maybe this week, maybe the next, getting ready for high school graduation. And now's the time when it's fresh on their mind, by the way it ought to be, and we ought to be praying for them that God would lead and guide and help them to come to some firm conclusions about God's will for their life. But they may not be real clear about it. You may just know what God wants you to do this summer, that He wants you to work a job, or you may just have some, at least some direction about uh, college and that God wants you to do that. And, and right now you don't have it all figured out what you're supposed to do by way of your life work and who you're supposed to marry and you're getting concerned about that. That's okay. Wait a minute. You're just 17, 18. There's plenty of time. Just do what you know is God's will and let God take care of the rest of that. I'm telling you, He can lead. He can guide. But there comes a certain time when you know 
this certain uh, decision to be the will of God, you come to some firm conclusions about that, you've made a definite decision, and at that point, as frightening as that might be in many regards, and yet also as securing or as, as blessed a place as that is just simply to know, I mean, it can be agonizing, trying to figure out what God wants you to do at times. You been through that? I have with me tonight uh, a document, a 16-page document uh, that represents about a year and a half of agonizing about uh, whether or not we were to move from Oklahoma, I'm sorry, from Republic, Missouri to Oklahoma City, single-spaced, 15 pages of agony. <laughs> and I think I put Brother Sam through at least seven pages of this as he asked if we might consider prayerfully coming, and we initially declined the opportunity, thought that that was gone, and just really set ourselves to the work there. And, and if you want to know more about it, then I'd be glad to let you have the document. Uh, but by the time, in fact, I titled this document, it's in a hanging file folder in my office called the Southwest Decision. It's got a lot of other decisions or documents in it. But I've entitled this one, Looking for the Fingerprints of the Unseen Hand. Because I wanted to make sure that this was not man's hand leading me here. Amen. I'm, I'm sharing my personal story, but really this ought to be for everybody in here tonight. Not just high school graduates, not just college graduates, but for you in your day-to-day -day living in life, uh, you need to see, and I believe you can see, God's hand leading you. Yeah. You know. And if God's hand's leading, you ought to be able to, to like, uh, do dusting like you would with the FBI or something and, and trace the fingerprints to see whose hand is on that. And so that's what this is. This is evidence. And uh, I just, I needed that much. You said, did you need that much? Evidently, it's kind of slow in making decisions. I mean, Angie and I went through Bible college four years before I asked her, you know, to marry me or we got married. I mean, and I knew she was the right one, but just... Yes, scared to move forward. I don't know. But, but I'm thankful for how God slowly works with us, but he comes and brings you to a firm decision. And, and every now and then I pull this out, and I'm just reminded how God led. Made it very, very clear. Um, Brother Jay, you're even in this, way back to 1994, and Kyle and different ones that God did early on. And, of course, Brother Sam preaching camp in those early 90s. And... Um, and so I, uh, I came to a point where I knew that if we did not move, we'd be in a place of disobedience. Now, I didn't mean to push it that far. I just wanted to make really sure. Is that all right? Just wanted to know for sure. Yep. If I'm going to leave cashew chicken behind. <laughs> See, I had all kinds of spiritual reasons for staying in Republic, right? Silver Dollar City and everything else mainly the dear people of Bedview Baptist Church, uh, I wanted to know that that was indeed, indeed, without any hesitation, indeed the will of God. I've shared this before, um, but I'll never forget driving home on uh, March the 18th, 2003. Tyler's birthday, I just was at Mardell's there in Springfield, picked up a Jonah and the Well figurine set. Coolest thing, as far as a toy. You can take Jonah and just put him right inside that well. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. 
I just picked that up. I was on my way home. I was headed south on National. And there was a fender bender. Somebody ran into a car that ran into the car and then ran into the church van that I was driving. And so Brother Sam had already talked to me back in January about, you know, would you prayerfully consider, you know, maybe uh, me talking to you again about coming out here to Oklahoma City. I said, that'd be fine. Well, that was January. February passed. This was March. I thought, man, I'm in the clear. This is good. I can just keep doing what we're doing. So anyways, I'm waiting there and police are coming to fill out the report. And I'm reading the story of Jonah. Now, I'd already declined the opportunity to come here. And I'm literally reading the story of Jonah, and my cell phone rang, and it was Kelly Owen. And she said, Brother Sam would like to talk to you. <laughs> it was almost like the word of the Lord came into Jonah again the second time, <laughs> saying, well, that weekend I was uh, preaching through a series in Genesis. And uh, that very weekend, we started into Genesis chapter number 24, Isaac, uh, Abraham seeking a bride for Isaac, and I titled that series of sermons, Discovering the Greatness of God's Leadership. So for the next five Sundays, God worked me over. I intended to stand here and preach to them, and God just worked me over, confirming, yes, this is my will. This is what I want you to do. And I, and I don't have time tonight. In fact, the night that I resigned, I read through the majority of this, and by the time that I got through it all, the people of Meadow you were saying, please just go. <laughs> we're convinced. <laughs> and I'll never forget when uh, Brother Copes, Miss Helen Majors passed away, and Angie and I were uh, on our way to conduct that graveside service, and, and uh, we were listening to the radio, and there was a preacher, it was Chuck Swindoll, preaching out of Acts chapter 13, and and um, he emphasized this. He said, you know, the Holy Ghost said, Paul, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work we're into, I've called them. And he said this. He said, you know, some of you right now, you know what God wants you to do. Now, this is in June, March to June. I asked Brother Sam if, if I could have some time, and he gave me some time. I maybe took more time than what he was intending to give me, but I took the time. I just want to make sure. You ever been there? I'm just trying to... Be a little bit transparent here with you. You want to make sure you know that a certain thing is God's will. And on the radio, he said, you know, you, some of you have been uh, praying about this, and you know and that what God wants you to do, but you're just waiting for, for all the ducks to line up in a row. And at the same time, you know that you're supposed to go. And then he said this, just go. Huh. And I looked at Angie. And then he said it again, just go. Yeah. Well... I mean, that wasn't the only thing. There are several things that God did to show the way. But it came to a point where I was simply saying this, the will of the Lord be done. Okay, I'm 10, 10 years, almost 11 years removed from that now. I'm looking back on it now, no regrets. Thankful to God. Thankful to God. I, you know, in fact, I haven't met somebody who's tried to follow God's will who has regretted doing that. Not one. And I think we'll hit times when maybe you won't be clear and there's times you just want it to be written in the sky and, and we can get weird about trying to follow God's will. I'm not saying that, you know, and, and seeing as, as God's will for me to move, you know, across country and you look up at the, at the clock and it says 747 and you think, oh, there's a sign. I, I'm supposed to get in the plane and try. No, you can get weird. And I'm not, I'm not advocating weirdness. 
But I am advocating trying to be sensitive to God's leadership for your life and following it. Know what God wants you to do. If you don't know right now, that's okay. Just, but make sure that you're looking for His will for your life. But once you do know for sure the will of God, then live to the hilt every situation that you believe to be God's will. And wherever you are, be all there. Be all there. And, and whatever you believe to be God's will, move in that direction. And always move in that direction. Are you doing God's will tonight? I'm speaking to married couples and families and moms and dads. Are you, are you doing God's will? See, this is not just something that college people think about. No, it's something for you. Are you doing God's will? You know, God doesn't have um, a certain, just a certain group that he calls only if you are. He calls people. And that may very well be you. And so you come to some conclusions about that. Then what you ought to pray is simply this, the will of the Lord be done. I believe that's what we're seeing in our text tonight is Paul is completely convinced that it is God's will for him to go to Jerusalem. There's, there's no doubt in the mind of Paul that that's exactly what God wanted him to do. And we could take time tonight and see in chapter 19 how the Spirit of God had already made that clear to him. And just recently we studied through Acts chapter 20 and how that while he was there with the, the elders of Milet, in, in Miletus and the elders of Ephesus. And he said, you know, that the Holy Ghost had made it clear to him that he's to go to Jerusalem. And that the Holy Ghost hasn't made it clear all that he's going to face there, but simply that bonds and imprisonment await him. And so he showed him that much. And so it's, it's implying that, that, yes, you are to go, but I want you to understand as you go, you're going to face trouble. I believe Paul was very, very clear. And we're going to see tonight that there's some question there on the part of his colleagues, on the part of people that cared about Paul, because they got the, the uh, emphasis from the Holy Spirit that he was going to face real danger and real trouble there in Jerusalem. And we see that even Luke himself said, I tried to talk him out of it. Isn't that what he said? You know, when it says we, that's Luke. He says, I tried to talk him out of it. But we came to a place where we figured out this, that he's... He's pretty determined on this. He's pretty clear on it. And so when we found out that he wasn't going to be persuaded otherwise, we just simply said this, the will of the Lord be done. The will of the Lord be done. Well, let's look at it here just a little bit more closely tonight. And I believe it will be a help to you if you've come to a place where you know what your next step is. If you don't, then you're seeking God. But if you know what your next step is, then head that direction. Paul was resolved to go to Jerusalem. In fact, in verses 1 through 3, as he's leaving them, the idea in verse, uh, verse number 1, that when we had gotten from them, it literally means this, he had to tear himself away from them. That, that's what it means. He had to tear himself away from them. This is actually very strong word words that he's using there. I mean, it was emotional uh, a departure. Why is it? Because of their love. I believe that when you do the will of the Lord, that oftentimes God calls you to be willing to leave people that you love very, very dearly. I say to you tonight, I'm not trying to overemphasize this, I'm just trying to reflect a little bit personally and think about maybe where some might be even tonight, that to date, the most difficult thing I've ever done in the ministry 
was to stand before Meadowview Baptist Church and to say, we believe God wants us to leave and move to Oklahoma City. I'm, I'm telling you, it tore me up. I didn't want to do it. I can, I can think about it now and get emotional. You know why? Because you love those people. You pour your life into them. But you, you follow God's will. There are seniors here tonight who've just recently given a testimony. I want to share this with our whole church. St- seniors who stood on, at, the, at the banquet and, and mentioned how that they love this church and it's going to be hard to leave this church. That this is their home away from home. And, uh, you know, we come to this, this time of uh, the May graduation. Uh, it's a mixed emotion time for our church, I believe. Because uh, we've grown close. You've invested your life. There's friendships that are there, adoptive parents, and, and uh, that whole relationship there. I mean, even today, I mean, this just kind of illustrates it. Um, students getting gifts for their adopted moms. It's awesome. It forms a bond. And so as uh, the students form that long receiving line here in just a few nights, there'll be some tears shed there. Why? Because of that relationship. I think about a missionary leaving here from his home church and sending church and going out and, and being so far away and, and wanting to be there. Let's remember, by the way, to communicate with our missionaries, staying in touch with them means so much to them. Then we have families like uh, Brett and Julie Green. Uh, I wanted to mention this, that next, next Sunday's there, last Sunday. Brother Brett, Miss Julie, I'm not sure where they are here tonight, right back this, this way. And I, I don't have here in front of me, as far as the number of years, I know it's over 20 years serving, uh, even in the, uh, Miss Julie serving in the two-year-old. She ought to get a crown upon crown in heaven. Don't you believe that? Brother Brett and I um, got to sit down and talk about, you know, them building a home out in the Morris, Oakmulgee area and moving out there. Here's how I'll be honest. Here's how I feel about it. I like it and I don't like it. You know what I mean? And and when God leads a family that way, here's the bitter bitter side. We're going to miss them. Sweet side, I'm extremely glad for Clearview Baptist Church and Randy Matthews because of the type of church members that they're about to receive. Amen. I'm glad for that. But I'm, we're still going to vote on it tonight uh, whether or not we let this happen. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel that way every time God takes a family. But you know, here, here's, here's the point. The Holy Spirit of God is a superintendent here. He's the one who says, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereunto I've called them. And we might say, well, why take them? Here, why don't you take these? (laughs) That's not right. (laughs) No, it's the Holy Spirit of God that's got to say, I want him and her, I want this family, and I want to move them here. And I want to move this family here. And listen, I want to take this family and put them in North India. I want to take this family and put them in Sri Lanka. I want to take this family and put them down in Argentina. I want to take this family and put them in Kalmykia, Russia. I want to take this family and put them in St. Petersburg, Russia. I want to take this family and put them down in South Africa. Hey, wait a minute. That's the prerogative of the Holy Spirit of God. 
It's not the prerogative of men. It's not our, our, our plan to sit down and strategically think, okay, how and where should we maneuver people? No, wait a minute. Here's what I trust. The Holy Spirit of God is still active and actively involved in people's lives. And he's saying to you, I want you to go here and I want you to go here. I mean, this, listen, this as our church is not a parking lot. This is a launching pad. You feel the difference? If you just come and park, nothing gets done. But I believe, rather, what God is doing now, we need people to stay here. Please, not everybody go unless the Holy Spirit of God just makes it abundantly clear. But I believe the Holy Spirit of God calls some to stay and, and to serve right here. But God's going to bring people in and out and move them around. I'm so thankful. Now, listen, I want to say this. Don't do that yourself. Don't do that yourself and don't, don't camouflage and say, oh, I think God's telling me to do this when God's nowhere near that. No. In fact, if you're going to leave this church and go to another church, here's how I feel that you ought to be able to do, uh, go about it. You ought to be able to come before this body, this church family, and say, I believe that God is moving us to this church. Well, I don't know if I want to do that. You better stay put. Does that make sense? Because in a clear conscience, you ought to be able to come and say, I believe this is what God wants us, wants us to do. And generally, when I sit down with somebody who says, I think that the Lord's leading us this way, I ask them that way. I ask, would you be willing to do that? And, and, uh, and it really does make a conversation go quick. <laughs> Sometimes. This was an emotional part for Paul. He was leaving people that he loved. He left, and we have the travel, travel log, and, and we're, you know, uh, just going to follow along here. But he comes to Tyre, and, and here's, here's what I find even in Tyre, a place really where he didn't know these people. In fact, what happened is as he's traveling along there, and they're just doing like a little day journey, eventually they get to one point where there's a sailing opportunity, and they sail about 400 miles in a, in a number of days, three days, four days, however many it was. But it cut off a lot of time. Remember, he's in a hurry to get to Jerusalem. Do you remember that? He has the, the offering that he's taking. He's trying to get there by Pentecost. And, and he knows the Spirit of God has led him that direction. And so now he has an extra week. It's very rare that a preacher ends up with an extra week. But he's got an extra week. And so he wants to fellowship with the people that are there entire. And they get together. And here's, here's the deal. He's never met these people. But there's an instant bond. You know, when you meet somebody else that knows the Lord Jesus Christ and you fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't there just an instant bond? That's how it was here. And so we read there how that they uh, gathered together and it even says there in verse number four that they said to Paul through the spirit that he shouldn't go. Well, did you read that and think, wait a minute, which is it? Should he go? Should he not go? There's debate about this. Paul, very persuaded that he was, in fact, he used this terminology in chapter 20, I'm bound in the Spirit. I'm captive to the Spirit. I'm his slave in a good sense. I'm, I'm his servant. I'm going where he sends me. And then it says that they, through the Spirit, said, don't go. Most likely, here's what's happening. They're understanding by way of the Spirit of God that great harm is awaiting Paul there in Jerusalem. Paul knew that by the Spirit of God. Now, they're making the inference that, okay, now, wait a minute. If, if great harm is waiting there, then, Paul, then don't go. That's probably what's taking place. But Paul had more insight, being the man who was led 
by the Spirit of God. And he said, no, I know that it's clear. And so here's the point I want to make based on this text. Well-meaning people may try to talk you out of doing what you know to be God's will. Well-meaning people. I think these were well-meaning people. I think about my dear grandmother who said, why can't you just study here in Kentucky? Why do you have to go to Bible college in Missouri? And as she had fried apple pies on the table, it made me think, hmm. (laughs) She brought up that there are people here in Kentucky, preachers who can't even read. That's the truth. There's a few. She gave a name. He can't even read. <laughs> Brother Cottle, am I telling the truth? He's from Kentucky, Brother McCracken. We know some folks, don't we? Yep. But see, we're in South Central Kentucky there in Bowling Green. We're civilized. It's the Eastern people. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's what she said. He can't even read why you need to go to college. Oh, she was well into She's my grandma. I love my grandma. She loves me. Well-intentioned. I couldn't allow, though, that my dear, precious grandma and her fried apple pies would steer me away from God's will. And you know what happened in, in the years to come? Um, she obviously was very supportive, and I'm thankful for that. But you may even have some well-intentioned people who would say, I don't think you ought to do that. I mean, great harm could come to you or your family or, you know, if we're thinking in terms of maybe third world missions type situations. And I don't know that you should do that. I mean, have, have we not all thought that even in regards, you know, I mean, just recently we were praying for Miss Jenny Switzer who went down to Sudan and, of course, her husband passed away in a trip in that fashion. And did it not cross your mind? Mm, I don't know. But here's what we've got to trust. People are in tune with God. So he went on to Caesarea. There in Caesarea, he met up with Philip. I I found this to be quite intriguing. It didn't really hit me until studying this out a little bit more. Just the significance of this meeting all the way around. I mean, to think of it this way. Here's Philip, one of the seven. One of the seven. Can you imagine Luke, the one who wrote these words, taking an immense amount of notes as a, from a historical uh, venture to say, okay, now tell me what happened when, I mean, you're talking to someone who was there. I mean, we're talking 20 years removed, and so now they're looking back, and so he's there, and he's, he has this firsthand account from Philip. What was it like when you talked to the Ethiopian eunuch? What was it like when you went up to Samaria? What was it like as you went there? What's it been like since you've been here in Caesarea? And the church planning effort that took place up that way, I'm telling you, that was, that was frontline evangelism. That was exciting. No doubt about it. I mean, I get excited and enjoy, enjoy going. In fact, one of the students had a privilege to go and, and uh, be in the home and make a visit, I believe, along with Brother uh, Don Stair to visit uh, Brother Herman Stearman. Many of you know of the Stearmans and his health is such now that he cannot come. But I forget how many missions it was he flew in Europe during World War II. But I'm telling you, if you get a chance to sit down with him, 
The stories are still there. It's fantastic. It takes what words are there in history books and brings it to life. Here's uh, Paul and Luke and those others that were with them sitting down with Philip. You know what I couldn't help but think about? Here's Paul, the one at whose feet they laid the coats that they might stone another of the seven named Stephen, a close associate, a close brother to Philip, this man Stephen. And now we have one of the men who saw to Stephen's death sitting across the table fellowshipping with Philip loving the same Lord. It's a blessing. Philip the evangelist, his daughters involved and spirit-led as well, his family. And then Agabus shows up on the scene. Agabus is like an Old Testament prophet. Flamboyant, dramatic, using illustrations. He comes in and he takes the belt. I don't really like the word girdle. He takes the, word, the belt and he, and he takes the belt of Paul that would have wrapped around his tunic and, and maybe was used, you know, to hold money or whatever, it, however it was used in that day and time. But, but he took the belt and he wrapped his own hands and he wrapped his feet and he said, such will they bind the man who owns this belt when he goes to Jerusalem. Well, Agabus was not trying to detract him from going, but he was reiterating, Paul, when you go, this is what you face. Now, when the other believers heard that, here's what they did. And Luke gave testimony to it in this same way. He urged Paul. They exhorted Paul. In fact, the idea is that they begged Paul not to go. But then again, the words of Paul as he said, I'm ready not only to be bound, but I'm ready even to die for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why I believe, as I was sitting here and listening to the choir sing about the crown of life, and how that Jesus took our place and, and the great exchange that was made there. And when you look at life through that perspective, it does not surprise me that Paul would say something like that. Not that he had a martyr's complex or was trying to make his name be known in history, but I believe this was the heart of Paul. He loved me that much, I'll love him this much. He was willing to go and even die if it came to that. In Jerusalem, And then they make their journey, and we find that he goes to the house of Nason there in Jerusalem. It says he's an old disciple. What, what that means, as I came to understand through study, was this. He was one of the originals. One of those who were of the original ones that were there. Early disciple. What a privilege. You know, okay, now this wasn't in the notes, but this makes good sense here. When you follow God's will, some of the experiences you will have and some of the people that you will meet in the course of simply following God's will will astound you. Just by following God's will. Paul was resolved to go to Jerusalem because he was convinced that it was God's will. Tonight, I believe you need to be that resolved. What are your next steps? What do you believe to be God's will? I want to ask the students tonight. 
I want to ask the high school students tonight, those of you that are graduating, what do you believe to be God's will for your life? What do you believe to be God's will? If you don't know right now, that's okay. But if God is beginning to make it clear that you're to go in this direction, if that's to teach uh, in a public school or to, or to be a police officer or to be in the ministry, whatever it is, what is God making clear to you? And then when God makes it clear, here's what you need. Determination and resolve to head that direction with God's help. And if that's not exactly where you're supposed to end up, then God has a way of directing you and guiding you in the way that you're supposed to go. Listen, you're not the one that's supposed to have it all figured out. You're just supposed to follow the will of the one who does and be resolved to do that. I want to ask tonight a a college student, I want to ask tonight maybe a a student graduate of Heartland Baptist Bible College who who has been seeking God's will and seeking God's face earnestly and now you're about to take the next step and and maybe you're going to go and work an internship or you're going to go and work in the ministry or, or whatever it is that God is calling you. I want to ask you, do you know what God's will is? Then if you do, do not be distracted. Do not be deterred from that will. Be resolved. Don't let any one, even well-meaning people, take you away from what you believe, what you know to be the will of God. Wherever it is, you be all there. Serve the Lord and watch what God does. It is frightening. There is fear maybe associated with it. I love the testimony of Brother Brian Zeffenbergen who said that as he came here, he got his dad told him, you know, and got him in the truck there from Arizona and told him to drive to Oklahoma City. And, and as he was going to start his freshman year here at Heartland Baptist Bible College in Oklahoma City, and, and he said he, instead of pulling into the campus, he shared this on Friday night at the, um, at the banquet, he parked across the street in the neighborhood and waited there for about 30 minutes. Now, I can relate with that. Because even though you know something to be God's will, still there's some intimidation and trepidation about going ahead and doing it. I've spent some time in, in, some, in some subdivisions trying to work up the nerve, sometimes just to go up and talk to the person at the door. I know it to be God's will, and he knew it to be God's will. I'm glad that he went ahead and drove on on campus because he's going to walk across his platform on Thursday night. What do you believe to be God's will? I want to ask you this tonight. What could keep you from doing that? What could keep you from being resolved to do God's will? Are there ties in the present situation that would keep you from going ahead and doing that? Is there fear about the future? Do you remember when God brought the children of Israel through the wilderness and then he brought them right up to the time when they're going to go into the land of Canaan? And they sent in the spies. Ten came back. You know, ten were bad and two were good. Ten came back and said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. This is terrible. Joshua and Caleb. Let us go up at once. I love it. I call it the go up at once principle. Let us go up at once. It's clearly God's will. They're big. That just means they're going to fall hard. Let's go. I love it. I'll never forget the day I got engaged. Talk about fear. Fear. Joy all at the same time. Preached that morning actually out of Numbers 13 about go up at once. (laughs) And I knew that's what God wanted me to do. Go up at once. Ask her to marry you. What are you waiting on? Brother Cope's convinced that you're supposed to marry her. (laughs) 
So we ate together, and I kind of preached that sermon to her. <laughs> what a unique, romantic way to get engaged. Shared with her what I preached that morning. And then asked her to be my wife. I knew it to be God's will. Know it to be God's will. What do you believe to be God's will for your life? Are you resolved to do it? Are you saying, let the will of the Lord be done? Let the will of the Lord be done. And saying it with enthusiasm, not, not with, well, let the will of the Lord be done. No, but let the will of the Lord be done. And I'm sure glad, oh, listen here tonight. I'm sure glad and thankful that Paul let the will of the Lord be done because even though it was hard on him in Jerusalem, they took him all the way to Rome and the gospel spread further to the west. And as a result of it, we heard it because a man said, let the will of the Lord be done. And he wrote books of the Bible that we still read today because he said, let the will of the Lord be done. And while, he's, while he was locked up there in prison, writing Philippians and Colossians and Ephesians and Romans and on and on, I'm telling you, thank God somebody said, let the will of the Lord be done. Somebody's waiting on you. Somebody's waiting for you to say, let the will of the Lord be done. There's people in Shawnee tonight. And in those acreages and those places between here and Shawnee, waiting for this church to say this, let the will of the Lord be done. What are we resolved to do? What do we believe to be the will of God for this church? What is our next step? Is it not to take the gospel that direction? And, and it, there's enough evidence, I think we could come up with maybe a pretty good-sized document of detailing events and opportunities and people already saved there and they're waiting for a Bible-preaching church that we're supposed to plant by God's good grace. Do we believe it to be the will of God? Then if so, let the will of the Lord be done and let's be resolved to do so. What do you believe to be God's will for your life? Get clear on it. Then be resolved. Some of you have already made up your mind on that. Don't wait for all your ducks to get in a row. Go. Go. Do what God has said. It could mean this. Holy Ghost says, I want you to teach a Sunday school class. Fifth grade boys. But God, they could take over. There could be a mutiny in the fifth grade class. Such would my hands be bound. <laughs> We haven't had a teacher yet experience that. Uh, is it fearful? Sometimes, sure. But let the will of the Lord be done. If God's calling you to it, He'll bring you through it. Give you just exactly what you need. Let the will of the Lord be done. Just remember, Brother Don, you telling your story to me just this past week in our monthly music meeting about how Brother Sam was preaching there in Indiana and God stirred him up. I don't know how old you were then. I'm not asking necessarily now. <laughs> but I'm glad that he let the will of the Lord be done in his life. We heard a song tonight that touched us. I heard the choir practice, and I love this land. 
heard it in my office. It was that loud. I love this land. From sea to shining sea. Let's let the will of the Lord be done. Father, tonight, I imagine there'd be somebody here wrestling with your will. And I would also imagine that there are others who are clear on your will. The next step, not all the steps, thank you, dear God, for leading us all the way. I can think tonight, Lord, of conversations I've had with young men in Bible college seeking your will and them sharing what you've put on their heart to do, whether for a summer or for the next step in life. And now they're about to go out and do that. Bless them. Keep them. Use them. Help them to do your will. Help them be sensitive to your leadership. Help them to be teachable. Think about high school students right now that are seeking your will and parents praying with their young people about your will for their life, who they're to marry and where they're to live and how they're to serve. Oh, God, would you lead them? I know you can. Make it clear. Lord, tonight we heard the call of our sent missionary. You said that the need is for laborers. Oh, Lord, would you please send forth laborers into the harvest. May your will be done tonight, dear God. I think about how our Savior there in Gethsemane prayed in that fashion that your will would be done. And essentially Paul praying the same thing. And I would imagine that each of us have our own moments of Gethsemane somewhere in life where you bring us to a point of crisis of faith as to whether we'll follow you or not. So God, I pray that you'd help. Help us to follow your will in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together tonight.